0: Welcome to Fast Facts.
1: I'm Jody. I'm Shelley. We're a new media concept, a co-working space in the design district called The Slate.
0: The most amazing people have walked through these doors. Authors. Entrepreneurs community leaders, Dallas natives, and guests from near and far. We're going to bring them in this room and we're going to sit them down and we're going to ask them the questions you are asking too.
1: These will be quick so you can listen on your drive in or your drive home. We are completely off the cuff, but that is the best part about Fast Facts.
0: And the only person you can really be off the cuff with might just be your sister. Truth.
1: Let's see who's slating it.
0: Shelly, what did we do when we found out Matthew Howson would be in studio today?
1: We went like this. <laughs> we, high-fived. we high-fived each other. <laughs> Because you ran honestly, for the door, right? No. I'm either like, are we really wanting to podcast with them or are we actually just trying to get help from her, for our kids? <laughs> <laughs> little bit of Which bo? one is this, of, Well, no. And I just looked
0: at Shelly and said, what are we even, where do we even go? Here's
1: the There's thing. So Did many... you expect, I'll start. Did you expect to be like a household name? You are. Because you kind of are. Is that a little weird? It makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, housing said. And you're like, yeah, uh huh. I and will nobody...
0: also say, when you say that, Every person you're talking to says, isn't he awesome? Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't he nice. wonderful? Mm-hmm. You are actually doing a great service for Dallas. I think you're a sounding board for parents. I think you help the schools. I think you help the children. I only praise for you. Only
1: praise for you, Matthew nice Housen. so nice. At you the guys need to San come Turk.
2: to my house and tell my kids this. It <laughs> <Yeah,
1: laughs> doesn't work that It way actually way won't work. You probably can't help your own kids, right? That's like the whole Callers story. Kids. It's the worst. Yeah. It is the worst. It's they the don't worst. listen to you. And it
2: feels really helpless because if they're, you know, they're kids and they're struggling and I feel impotent a lot of times when it comes to helping. Not all the time, but some of the time. So, well, you probably know have, too much. They have their helpers too. Yeah, you know,
1: and so you can overanalyze things and turn it into a mess. Okay, what is the biggest thing you're seeing walk in yeah. the office? Like, what is? Is it yeah. anxiety? Is it what is it? Yeah. It's
2: definitely. I think it's anxiety, and I think it's disconnection. I think a lot of kids and parents and all of us and communities and organizations have just felt disconnected. I think that we all went in Mm -hmm. on COVID. And then I think it's been hard to figure out how to reconnect. And so kids definitely got way into media and their bedrooms. Mm -hmm. And I think that they got disconnected. And I think families and children are trying to figure out how do we reconnect?
0: How do you unwind that? How do is there are there any tips for unwinding? Like we dove so deep into this tablet, yeah. and now suddenly my mom wants me to just read all day, yeah, mm-hmm. and play and and climb trees. Like that's gonna.
2: It's a timely question, Jody, and I think summer's coming. I love summer camps because I think summer camps. I think we have to get back to nature. Yeah. I think we have to get back to relationships. I think we have to get back to sports. I think we have to get back to organized Boy Scouts and mm-hmm. church groups mm-hmm. and religious groups. I think that's how we do that. Yeah. Because otherwise they're gonna sit on the tablet they're gonna sit on the tablet and we're self-centered
1: so where do you sit on that as we have a you know pushing 13 year old the cell phone situation Mm -hmm. talk about like going inward Mm -hmm. because they do they want to get like i i look at the kids and i'm i'm like oh they're they're all at the table and they're all on their phones and then there's Mm -hmm. we're not yet we will be soon i'm sure but Mm -hmm. what is your take on the cell phone
2: yeah, you know, the cell phone's tough. We have a thirteen-year-old and a soon-to-be fifteen-year-old, so we're living that world right now, and. The way that we've approached it, Wells, obviously, is a psychologist also, and she's becoming her own household name. This is his um, wife. <laughs> this is his wife. Keep going. Keep going. But she, um, she and I talk about just proactively. All right, here's the rules on the phone. We're not going to do it at the table, and we break that yeah. rule a lot. And yeah. they come to the table, and I caught myself last night. I got a text from someone, and I read the text, and she looked at me like, "Hey, wait a minute, that's not the rule." Yeah, be the. And role so model. I think we have to be the role model. But mm-hmm. the rules are, you know, not at the table, proactively. And I really want the kids to be busy enough that they don't have a lot of time just to dive deep into that world. So Mm -hmm. they go to school, they do their homework, they have their exercise and sports activities in their groups, and then they can relax after we've done something as a family. Mm -hmm. But it's hard because you have to be ahead of it. Once you get behind, then it's difficult.
1: Well, yeah. And then it's like they're so smart on these devices and, you know, there's no live 360 that can save you. That's true. You know, there really isn't. Mm -mm. Is there something to how some of the
0: social networking for kids as they get older does involve invitations via social media or the, you know, the phone is a tool. Like, tell me, I feel like some parents struggle with, I also don't want my child to be left out or have yeah. like no social awareness about things that are happening that are not visible to the eye unless you have a phone.
2: I'm conflicted about it because John's our youngest one. And he has three older sisters yeah. and he can do a lot of the stuff that they can do on Instagram. And I'm like, Hey, that's a marketable skill.
0: Mm-hmm. But he's
2: still 13, and I feel conflict because I'm like, I think he's learning to do some really cool things, obviously, I can't do and that mm-hmm. his sisters can do. But at the same time, I don't want him doing that all the time. Right. Yeah. Because I think you get into that bind, you know, technology is moving so fast, and now with AI and chat GPT and oh all of that stuff, I mean, that's a whole different world yeah. That we that's really kind of mind-boggling for me. Yeah,
0: that's podcast two, three, and four with yeah, you.
2: We'll get to that like next. A, it's unraveling fast. It's really fast. Mm-hmm. And so I think – you know, if you take a 13 or 14-year-old, they were very quickly a sophomore in high school, and then they're a junior or senior in high school, and I feel like they have to be equipped to know those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it has to be tempered, and I think it has to be measured, and I think you have to think about, you know, your parabolas that you're drawing out in time. Where do you want your child to be? We want them to be responsible. Mm-hmm. And the metaphor I use is what's going to happen when you shut the dorm? you know, door yeah. and you leave them, what are they going to do? Yeah, yeah. Are they going to spend all day on social media? Are they going go mm-hmm. to go out- to the liquor store? Yeah. Or are they going to go do what they need to do?
1: Mm. Dang. Don't think about that, that. later. Call Call a a dorm. Dorm door. That's not that far off. That's okay. a vision. That's this a vision. Is, this is a hard one. Do you feel like, I feel, I mean, I'm saying this, so I'm like, would love for you to back me up. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm like, okay, is a fourth grader today, like a sixth grader when we were growing up, is a 13 year old boy now, Kind of like a 15-year-old boy back in the 80s. Like, how far ahead are we here?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it's, I mean, emotionally, they're less mature and more mature all at the same time. Weird. So I think cognitively, they're way ahead. So I think two years is probably a good variable just in terms of the level of knowledge kids are exposed to. When you think about what they're flooded with, two, three years ahead But emotionally, there's Uh not as much connection, I think, to family. There's not as much connection to social. And so I think that they went back that way to the left, behind, Mm -hmm. and then forward to the right, um, you know, cognitively. And that's difficult because it leaves them not as equipped to handle hard situations.
0: And that, okay, so that's great. Because my question is, some of what social is, as a parent, is kind of hard to watch because it's your kid getting hurt, left Mm -hmm. out. Um, having conflict, mm-hmm. all these things, because they're so under our feet. We see it so much. I feel like when I was, I don't know, getting left out of something in 1984, like – Dig was nowhere to be found. It
1: definitely was leaving you out of stuff yeah. when I was three and you were four. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. We need um, a couch
0: for you guys to lay
2: down on. Yeah, we need oh, to dive oh, real deep oh, into this. Oh, we
0: really could. What is the social – when you're saying like mm-hmm. they, they, they're behind on the social, is it because they're behind on conflict resolution? They're behind on how to make a friend? I think it's how social
2: are... and emotional. So I think they're behind in terms of feeling identification, expressing okay. feelings. I think that um, mm-hmm. socially – they're behind and having to deal with people they don't want to deal with okay. because I think a phone takes you through Snap mats to where your friends are uh-huh. and you stay away from who you know who, who your you friends don't are. Like. And I think that creates a divide where you're not learning to deal with people who are different. And so I think yeah. that we're seeing people who are similar get more similar and people who are different get more different,
0: even in young kids, absolutely.
2: Huh. I mean, I think that we're seeing that. And so I think that's why we go back to our organizations of we need to be around people who are different from us mm-hmm. in order to understand and kind of find that respect for other people's subjective reality without just judging from our own perspective. Because mm-hmm. I think that divides us and doesn't unite us. And then that prevents love and peace and unity and community, all the things that make, you know, I'm getting big level here, but hey, as a yeah, society, love it. we work go better. Big. But I think at a family level— you know as kids go into their bedrooms and parents go into their bedrooms and we lo- lose that unity then i think we le- lose some of those family values of connection and respect for di- you know differences
1: yeah. what are some good questions we could ask our kids then to like pull this out of them I think beyond if I the, said, "Hey, Hutchison, are you feeling disconnected?" Yeah. yeah. What's Maybe your like, connection what are you level even today? I'm talking about how's yeah. your emotional yeah. intelligence?" Yeah. They're yeah.
2: like roll big eye roll. I think for that, Shelley, I mean, I think about, you know, what are the what's important to your family? So, you know, together time, service, um peace, love. I think just having those family mantras that you kind of almost put up that you mm-hmm. talk about. And I think that those virtues are things that you're always working towards. Mm-hmm. And if you're working towards that, then I think that the kids, when you talk about some of these concepts, it, it resonates because that's kind of your your family's mission statement.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I've heard, was... you know, I I actually, I've heard of that.
0: that. I've heard of the mission statement. I think I did it once. I'm going
1: to i like pull that out. Yeah, I'd start <laughs> monogramming it on shirts, Jody. <laughs> this is what we're going to do in 2023. And well, let maybe me even really the, clear. Yeah, yeah.
2: This does not happen in the house and family. These are ideals that, yeah. that I really, a lot of times, wish we had the time to slow down and do. Yeah. yeah. But when, when we do it, it works.
1: Mm-hmm. But see, that's the other piece of this puzzle. Like, I do feel like my kids are so busy that we almost don't have time for mm-hmm. them to sit and do Legos. So, yeah, they don't need to be on a phone because they don't have time. But mm-hmm. is that good too? I feel like. I don't know. Somebody literally said to me, "Have you life mapped your child? He's in sixth grade. What's Have life you life mapped your child's college journey yet?" What? And I was like, "What is that? Whoa! We're I just can, trying to get into high school."
2: And I can feel my cortisol level go up. Yeah. So don't life map your child's journey in sixth grade. I think that's a horrible thing to do.
0: Yeah. What for who you needs and that?
2: for the child? I just don't think that works.
0: Those I, are tears behind. We just heard on like social emotional. <laughs> He's totally perfect. Okay. So some of your practice too, you, you work with children, you see anxiety. Mm-hmm. I want to hear, I want to talk a little bit about anxiety too, mm-hmm. or, um, I feel like you're also really good at helping families identify like great schools for their kids based on information you gather interviewing the kids or testing the kids. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's really
2: probably the, f- my favorite thing I do oh, because wow. it, requires me to kind of pull a lot of different pieces of information so yeah. the information I look at is whether it's testing and information or information from teachers so that I feel like I've gotten to a point where I can read that information look at that information and then you know overlay that with the personalities at different schools we live in Dallas where yeah. there's just such a broad array of schools in terms of philosophies and different perspectives and so Do you want a religious school? Do you want a Montessori school? Do you want a school that goes through a certain point and then transitions, So the child has to do the transition. So we're so blessed. Lately, for whatever reason, we've had a lot of families from Midland that we've been seeing. And there's like three choices. And if a child doesn't fit into those three kind of categories, it really, it makes me uncomfortable. Because in Dallas, I can get, I can slice the bread real thin. Yeah we're there it's like we're just dealing with loaves and i think it's difficult and so um i do love that school consultation piece whether we're talking about public schools or private schools where you know We've had to get a little bit more refined is special education public mm-hmm. schools because there are differences in special education programs in the different districts in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah. And making sure that families who have child children who have, you know, need for special education, that they're getting the highest quality of special education. Mm-hmm. There's a huge problem now with education, just teachers are so burned out. Yeah. Yeah. And the hardest are the special education teachers. Mm-hmm.
1: I would, yeah. I believe that. I do. I think it's, it's, I think teachers, I mean, I was burned out after one year of COVID. I don't know how yeah. the teachers maintain this level of quality a year after I year. After year. Mm. Commendable. I mean, I think it's just as parents, you just don't have confidence. So you help breed confidence that you're making the right decision. Cause you're mm-hmm. kind of like, am I screwing this up or am I getting this right? Yeah. And I, and I
2: think you know we have four children. John's the youngest. Lizzie's the oldest. She's 21. And we screwed a lot of things up. And I think that's part <laughs> well, of the process. From, yeah. No, I it think is that's part of the process. process. You don't want the big screw ups, but I think yeah. it, it's fun as our kids get older and they're like, "Y'all really, this was really bad." Uh huh. And we're like, you know what? That you're was right. you're like that yeah, was bad. That, Who we knew? thought that was right. Yeah. But then they're like, but you know, because of that, it did this. And so I mm-hmm. think you know, as long as you're you're purposeful and you're you know you're you're good-hearted in what you're doing. I think everything turns out in the end. But parenting is just one of those things that you can't you can't be perfect at because it doesn't work. And the more perfect you try to be, I think the more you screw up.
0: Oh, well, this is like a complete great. This is like a pass. We just got a pass. Hall pass. Absolutely.
2: We're okay, show. Yeah. I mean, I can think, thinking about schools, Jody. I can think of a family that, um, you know, for some families that apply to Dallas private schools, they were so anxious about the admissions testing yeah. that they over-prepped and over-prepped this five year old little boy oh, and yeah. at game time that little boy just was in Crumbled. tears when he's and and it they I mean it really backfired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we just have to be developmentally aware of where children are and then we have to understand each child's kind of profile in terms of what are their social, emotional, mm-hmm. attentional, cognitive abilities. And then let, you know, put up the scaffolds of the guideposts and, and remember that child development is a natural process that most yeah. of the time, if we leave it alone,
1: it'll
0: it do its job. It pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Leave them to the wolves. The thing is, all these schools have all these develop. I feel like there's so much of social emotional at school. Like, mm-hmm. I think we didn't have any of that growing up. Yeah. I- I'm just so perplexed that. What are you talking about? You do
1: social emotional at school.
0: Oh yeah, Helen, there's a mindfulness. They have like mindfulness oh, have moments, to... mm-hmm. mindfulness corners. Um there's I think a ton that's I feel school. like school. Okay, that might be that's your school. this specific school. But I, I feel like it, it's pretty widespread amongst its can like peer schools that mindfulness is very it's it's part of like the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So I'm I don't know. I'm still so confused of that the they're anxiety, behind though? like yeah. It, yeah, yeah. So
2: tell us about anxiety. Well I think with anxiety you know, it's, I don't know a person who you would go up to now who would say, are you anxious? And they would say, no, I mean, yeah. I feel like everyone's anxious mm-hmm. and we kind of have to ask, well, why is that? I mean, what is it we're doing that, that is making us each anxious? And I think that, you know, I always say the foundation of mental health is in sleep and in exercise and then, you know, food and then relationships. Yeah. And so I think if we start there, because sleep is probably the thing that gets compromised the most. Mm-hmm. And just think about it. When you don't sleep well, what's what's going on with your mm-hmm. just your sense of self? You're not you are anxious. And so anytime a child or a friend comes to me, I say, well, how are you sleeping? Because if you're not oh, sleeping well, you're in you trouble. lead
1: with that. Interesting. Okay, I like that.
2: And then we all know when we can make ourselves do 45, 60 minutes of aerobic exercise, that's the best antidepressant that ever was. And then mindfulness, prayer, meditation, yoga. So, you know, I do a podcast with Dr. Dennison, who's a pediatrician, and Dr. Stoker, who's a pastor, and it's called Parenting for the Present. And our cool. whole emphasis is mind, body, spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm the mind, Dr. Stoker's the spirit, and um, early Dennison is the body. And we talk so much about sleep and exercise. Our listeners probably get tired of it, but it's so <laughs> foundational. And oh. so easy. And the rule in most of life is parsimony. The easiest thing is usually the best explanation. It's
1: so true. So I just did that whole Cooper Clinic, you know, top yeah. to body. Did How you gotten yeah, oh, I yeah. did the whole thing. What are the and, results? And I was like expecting for them to tell me to take B12 at 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> but I was like, well, what about dementia? How do I keep that from happening? Yeah. This kind of runs in the family. Exercise. Okay, Sleep well, well, what about, should I be taking calcium pills? They're like, eat yogurt i was like oh they kept like pushing back with like such basic things but it almost all came back to exercise Mm -hmm. interesting um jody can take the girl side of things i keep hearing because i've been reading these books you know that boys need to have a punching bag in their rooms Mm -hmm. have you heard this like in order oh okay he knows yeah tell me you've read that too oh yeah it's in multiple books and podcasts yeah it's all over is that a thing
2: You know, I do think it's a thing. I don't know that it has to be a punching bag. We are fortunate we have a place that we can get out in the country. And I want, I mean, I give the kids dull axes, not sharp axes. (laughs) I want them whacking things because I think there's something therapeutic in terms of the physical activity of you know hitting mm-hmm. something and and seeing you know chop results. results. It's kind of it's 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 um immediate gratification, yeah, it's gratification too. That's mm-hmm. what I was going for. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is good. I think a punching bag is similar. Mm-hmm. That you're not necessarily trying to get aggression out, but I think it's a good form of exercise. That if you do have some things that are on your mind, it's a good release. Mm-hmm. Screaming is a good thing to do.
1: Hmm so we should let them at the right time yeah (laughs) (laughs) when i was thinking a lot of can't even ask the next question
2: screaming in the car right (laughs) by yourself but i think that release is really important and and all of that does reduce kind of stress and tension but push-ups wall push-ups um hitting a punching bag going for a run swimming is one of my favorite exercises bike riding great Mm Getting out and you know, getting out in the country—all of those things, I think, yeah. are super therapeutic. Because think about adults who really get to a point in their life where they need to go get more intensive help. Yeah, all of those programs have some form of of nature that's part of their mm-hmm. uh, program. Mm-hmm. They all do, and we know what those programs cost. Yeah, and it's not hard. It's it's nature and it's kind of exercise.
1: Hmm. What about for the girls, Jody? Oh, wait, is
0: there anything? Well, I don't know. I mean, tell me. (laughs) What do they need?
2: You know, I think girls really need strong female mentors. I think girls Mm -hmm. really need grandparents, grandmothers. I just, Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think this is true for boys and girls, but I think, you know, our girls, when I think about what's been meaningful in their life, they've gone to an all girls camp.
1: Mm -hmm. They've
2: gone, they spent a lot of time with their grandparents. They've learned to cook. My mom's Palestinian. They've learned mm. to cook, you know, that food. And I think that's really meaningful to them. Yeah. And I think it gives them a sense of, um, I think it gets them away from themselves because I think uh-huh. we're all probably too self-centered now. Yeah, boy. I just have read a book um, by a friend of mine. She wrote a book on childhood narcissism that's going to come oh, out in, a, in wow. about a year. Uh huh. And it's phenomenal in terms of how eloquently she talks about... How many narcissistic kids we're seeing now?
0: Well, aren't they all wow. like? Nar- are they like by definition narcissists to their like a certain yeah. age? But
2: this is going from healthy narcissism mm-hmm. to the next to more level. pathological narcissism.
1: Pathological. Cool. Great work. Well, I will say, what is the series that SMU? The Tate Lecture Series. Yes. Mm-hmm. The yes. guy that came and spoke at the Tate Lecture Series mm-hmm. said, about Don't blame the cell phone. Blame when they've the made selfie. it where you can take. The camera and flip it on yourself and that is when anxiety and depression began
2: pathological narcissism is just lack of empathy lack of you know awareness of others and just uh, an over focus on and on me yeah and we all know that when we do other things for other people it makes us feel good Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. if we're not getting the things that we need we feel bad and that you know that just repeats itself in terms of a no matter how much is put in my cup, there's never enough. Mm-hmm. And that's how you think about someone who may have more pathological narcissism is they never get enough.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. So how do we like, Kids you Kids are know, dealing with so much. It Kids is, are, it and, is and way parents. too much. Yeah, it's just... Oh, the parenting thing. I am... Exo- <laughs> I'm doing three different grades. I have two jobs. I mean, yeah, well, no, that's I, true. And, and
2: that, I mean, you're, you're saying it facetiously, but that's true. No, no, that's no. your life. No, like I'm exhausted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lot.
1: Yeah. You I need you to help <laughs> mm-hmm. more. <laughs> no, but that is my next question. Kind of like, how are you, you sleeping? When you, <laughs> when you lose weight, <laughs> it's easy to maintain it. But do yeah. you feel like using that as an analogy? It's, mm-hmm. I feel like, oh God, how do I say this? Like some kids, you like, you think everything's fine and then wham, it's not.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that
1: just how it goes? Or is it like, Hey, we should do quarterly check-ins just to keep maintaining see what comes out. I mean, do you think we should be doing that kind of stuff because the world is so fascinating right now? To tap into what our kids are thinking and breathing and eating, and but without us, just to peer in? Or is that not necessarily unless you think there's a problem?
2: I think some form of check-in, whether it's with a counselor or whether with, you know, religious or whether with, you know, a group of people that you're really connected with and trust. I think that accountability and, again, that community mm-hmm. and just taking the 45 minutes to sit back and just have a more real conversation with your kids and, you know, even your, you know, in marriage and, Mm -hmm. you know, in your relationships, just like 45 minutes every two, four weeks. I think that's pretty meaningful in terms Mm -hmm. of keeping foundational things, connection and intimacy and clearing up kind of hurt feelings because hurt feelings happen in relationships. And if you're not taking care of those hurts, that's what you know, builds distance and kind of disconnection. Mm
0: -hmm. So is there anything you would say just overall, just looking at your practice Mm -hmm. and the patients you see and the wonderful people you meet and know and podcast with, um, you're just like one thing I see and the kids that I can be like, okay, I think they're on their way to a productive life. You know, like I I feel good about this child. He's going to, she is going to progress well because she has this or that. Mm -hmm. Is there any kind of, I
2: think the word I would use Jody would be just hopefulness. Ah. Right. So so when we look at all the data on depression and depression research, it's positive, the power of positive thinking. Right. When you go back to the power of positive thinking, which the essence of that is hopefulness, hopefulness that this bad thing just really happened or I'm going through this. But I know that over time things are going to work out for me. Mm -hmm. I have a student I'm seeing right now and she's really struggling. But she said the other day, she's like, I know things are going to get better in a year from now.
0: That's awesome. And I was
2: like, "You're fine. That's all you need. You're, you're fine. Gonna, yeah, we can still talk. But you're I, I have a feeling that you are going to be fine. You're going to be just fine. So I think hopefulness. And I think that the problem with anxiety for parents is when you're anxious, then you're worried, and if you're worried, it's hard to be hopeful.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And so a lot of times we have to tell ourselves we have to step back and say, "Wait a minute, is it my fear saying this to my child? And how can I get away from my fear back to my faith? Because mm-hmm. if we use, and, and not necessarily, mm-hmm. but my faith that this person's going to become what they're supposed to be. Because mm-hmm. that's what naturally happens. If we leave child development alone, put the supports around it, most of the time,
1: it'll work itself out.
2: 85, 90% of the time, I would think it's going to work itself out.
0: Hmm. So okay. we can relax and sleep.
1: Sleep and be hopeful i this is going to be okay. I'm looking at you full of hope. I'm so full of hope. Okay, let's do fast (laughs) facts. What is a good book that you recommend to people who want to just read more but can't necessarily, because people listen to this all over the country but can't come Mm. visit with you Mm -hmm. face to face? Uh,
2: There's a really well-known marriage researcher named John Gottman, Mm -hmm. and he wrote a book called Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child, The Heart of Parenting. It may be the other way, the hard appearing, mm-hmm. raising, raising emotional child. I think that's a great book.
1: Okay. And these are not fast, these are the slowest mm-hmm. facts we've Slow. ever done, but it's fine. Um you know how you're supposed to like read by third grade, you know, mm-hmm. everything levels out. What is the grade where you um need to be really on top? Like, what is the age where like I see more twelve year olds than I see anything, and then by sixteen they're mm-hmm. figuring it out? Is there anything mm-hmm. like that?
2: Yeah, I mean I think the for, in terms of reading or just generally. No, no, I was just using, I'm okay, all got about it. the analogy. Okay, got I'm it. sorry that's very. Pu- puberty. <laughs> so puberty is the great healer. Oh, really? And so, you know, if we if we get kids into puberty, their brain starts to develop, they start to change. Oh. Good stuff happens with puberty. We always talk about puberty as a bad thing. Yeah. There's more intensity around it, puberty, but if you've set up the template to handle that intensity, it I mean That's when I think kids start to arrive when they're 14, 15, 16, because then they're not concrete in their thinking. They're more abstract in their thinking. They can use sarcasm. They can use humor. Mm -hmm. And you can have fun with kids once they're through puberty.
0: Huh. Well, I'm that is a super, great fact. Super hopeful now. And my favorite
1: thing what? that you've told me is the male frontal lobe doesn't truly start to form until the end of junior year. It's when it starts clicking. Uh, I yeah. almost you fell on the, the yeah. floor. And not and during it's this not podcast. Not but... until twenty four. No, it's never done. Yeah. Apparently, I mean, <laughs> especially it is, especially men. with dudes <laughs> and the grade we
0: should all brace ourselves for the most. My child is entering blank grade. Just brace yourself, Jody.
2: God, that's a really good question. I have to think about that.
1: We are tough interviewers here. Yeah. Really good at this. Hard nosed.
2: <laughs> I think that seventh grade is one of the toughest yeah. grades. I thought, well, crap, grade. I thought you were gonna to say that. I thought you were gonna say that. This, this is seventh is know, tough. But I'm hopeful and I'm gonna sleep, yeah. on, it. I'm gonna sleep yeah. on it.
0: Keep keep hoping, keep
2: sleeping, I'm keep exercising. I was gonna say first, but I think it's seventh.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll have to unpack that mm-hmm. offline here. So much. Okay. Matthew okay. Hassen of You're the House Center. Thanks Thank for coming. So Absolutely. Much. My pleasure. So Dallas fun. loves you. So does so the slate. Slated. Slated.
2: <laughs> Thanks, guys.
1: The Slate is a co-working and content studio in the heart of the Dallas Design District. To learn more about The Slate, visit us at www.theslateproperties.com. And to submit ideas for podcast guests, please email us info at theslateproperties.com. Fast Facts is recorded and mixed at The Slate's podcast studio in Dallas.